0: fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show.
1: Well, you see the numbers everywhere. First off, Crime is skyrocketing across this country. Some horrible cases of a homeless man slugging an elderly woman, uh, hits a baby with a bottle in a New York City rampage. Also, some new numbers, by the way, coming out of San Francisco, that half of the residents there have been robbed in the last five years. Think about that. Half of the residents have been robbed in the last five years in that beautiful city what was a beautiful city, and now there are homeless encampments everywhere. And now we have some new, really not surprising to me, and I don't think to you, some of the numbers that we're going to talk about tonight on the Rita Cosby Show in terms of inflation. Because if you look at the numbers and some of these new polls that just came out in the last few hours, it clearly shows that the number one issue for all Americans, essentially in almost every single poll, is inflation. That the numbers are just skyrocketing. The cost of groceries, uh the cost of buying your kids school supplies. I mean, there are so many issues right here that we all feel every single day. And it's tangible, it's obvious, and you just can't escape it. So today, Joe Biden is asked at the White House about the stunning numbers with that big plummet in the stock market that happened not too long ago in the last 24, 36 hours. And he's like, what inflation? I I almost couldn't believe the audacity that he's asked by a reporter, hey, well, what do you think about the inflation numbers, Mr. President? And he's like, you know, what inflation? Oh, I don't really look at the stock market. Are you kidding me? Either he is completely insincere or he's on another planet. Because we all feel it, we all see it, and you've got this combination of inflation and skyrocketing crime. And those two issues almost consistently show up as number one and two in the polls for Americans right now. And the fact that our president right now, our commander-in-chief, isn't talking about it. He wants us to think like, oh, what crime? What inflation? And this is the strategy, I think, of the Democrats come the midterms. So what do you think? Do you think this will be effective? I think at some point people are going, are you kidding me? I I mean, even if they like tries to put out every single commercial and they put out millions upon millions of dollars. Don't you think the average American just walks outside at whatever city in this country, whatever town in this country and says, you know what? Life is not really better now than it was before President Biden took office. I somehow have. Less money in my pocket. I somehow feel less safe. And today, Democrats were also asked, by the way, this was stunning to me. Hey, what's happening with these, you know, uh funding for the police bills that you kind of start talking about now? Because the midterms are coming up because they realize defund is not a good message. And Hakeem Jeffries of New York said, oh, we're having discussions about it. We have astronomical crime across this country. We have enormous inflation and he's just having dialogue about maybe adding police because the reality is they probably don't want to add police but they don't want to say that before the midterms so in the middle of all this you would think the last thing that president biden should be focused on is electric cars especially after what we saw happen in california remember in california they said oh yeah gavin Newsom, let's push and try to get electric cars and then they said well don't use the electricity, though, uh, in the next few days because, you know, of all the issues happening with the heat wave. So it really shows that it is just completely ineffective. It's not the time to be pushing these, you know, green energy sort of la-la land ideas. And yet our president, that is all he is doing. And it just astounds me. And it really shocks me. And to me, this is such a dangerous, dangerous policy. We all want the, you know, the climate to be great. We want the earth to be great. But at a time right now where the economy is so poor, you're going to try to push people to buy electric cars that cost $63,000 a year. That is basically twice as much as the average American makes. And that's what you're telling people to go out and do right now. What about people who are trying to figure out how they're going to pay their rent, how they're going to pay for groceries, how they're going to take care of their kids? What's your solution to that, Mr. President? Get an electric car, get a windmill? I mean, how clueless is this president and how clueless is this White House? And how beholden are they clearly to the far left of their party so much that they're just going to keep doubling and tripling down? At least until the midterms. And guess what? If they get elected, you know, and continue to stay in the House and the Senate, you can bet we're going to see even much more of that. They're going to feel so emboldened and they're going to just go full throttle on this. And that to me is actually a really scary place to be. They're like, Hey, we'll give you a tax incentive. If you buy a $63,000 electric car, you'll get back a few hundred bucks or a thousand or two thousand bucks or whatever as a tax incentive. Uh, sorry, you just have to have the 63,000 to begin with. I mean, it just does not make any sense. So I want to hear your thoughts tonight as to how clueless this president really is. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Meantime, President Biden today was in Motor City, Detroit. All right. So there he is. He's going to the car makers. And again, As opposed to saying, hey, you know, maybe I made a mistake and we should start opening up the spigots, especially with Europe dealing with a very cold winter. And I basically didn't give him any oil and gas. So I put him in a dire crisis uh, because of Ukraine and all this other stuff. Right. No, no, no. What is he doing? He's doubling down on electric cars uh, after the worst one of the worst drops in the stock market in American history and one of the worst inflation numbers that we have seen in decades. And this president is so tone deaf, so out of touch. He just keeps pushing for electric cars. Here he is. Take a listen to what he said just a little bit ago.
2: And for most of the last century, we led the world by a significant margin. And because we invested in our people, we invested in ourselves, and something went wrong along the way here. Something went wrong. We risk losing the edge as a nation, and China and the rest of the world are catching up. We used to invest almost 2% of our entire GDP in research and development, now 0.7%. And uh, the rest of the world's catching. But not anymore. Now we're choosing to build a better America. An America that's confronting the climate crisis with America's workers leading the way. We're rebuilding an economy, a clean energy economy, and we're doing it from the bottom up and the middle out. I'm so tired to trickle down, I can't stand it.
1: Well, I'm so tired of him talking about electric cars at a time right now where the economy is in crisis. We're facing what could be a rail strike this Friday, a nationwide rail strike. Think about the devastating effects that will do with supply and demand. And he's talking about windmills and electric cars. How clueless is he? And I think the strategy of this White House, everybody, is that if he keeps talking about it enough, maybe somebody out there is going to believe him. It's like, you know, again, it's like the sky is purple. It's not blue. Trust me. We're great on the border. Trust me. We're going to talk about that later on in the hour because Kamala Harris said the border is secure. And the big news tonight is Governor Ron DeSantis sent migrants to Martha's Vineyard. He sent a few flights to Martha's Vineyard. We're going to talk about that later on in the show, too, here on the Rita Cosby Show. But meantime, Not only is the president in such unbelievable denial and fantasy land, so is his spokesperson, Corinne John pierre Take a listen to this exchange today. What inflation? What are are you talking about? We're fine.
2: On the economy, um, how concerned is the president about the state of the economy? And given what we saw
1: yesterday with the Dow, is the president at all remiss about the split-screen moment that he had on the South Lawn?
3: Let's not forget the, the moment that we saw on the South Line, uh, the uh, uh, the president and thousands of people get the Inflation Reduction Act done uh, was a celebration for the American people, was a win for the American people. When you think about uh, how long uh, elected members, Democrats in particular, and Congress have been fighting for decades uh, uh, against special interest groups, in particular, farmer to bring costs down uh, from Medicare, that's what you saw uh, yesterday, That's the, what you saw in this fight, a lowering cost for Medicare, lowering cost for health care, lowering cost on energy, co- uh, on energy itself. As it relates to the stock market, uh, is it, it's, it's one measure of how the economy is doing. And we are watching this closely. It's also important to, to look at what's happening on Main Street. Uh, we have one of the strongest job markets on record, a 3.7 unemployment rate. And we've created 10 million new jobs. More people are looking for work. Because of the president's economic plan, businesses are investing in America at record rates, and we are making more in America.
1: Yeah, and all of that is because he came in during COVID. Again, like a like a two year old would be able to figure out how to grow the economy when it really was sadly at almost rock bottom. So this is just such a falsity. It, it's it's shameful. It is really shameful. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Alice in Cincinnati. Alice, uh, what's your reaction to to how clueless this president is? These people are bald-faced liars. They look you right in the right
4: in the eye, and they lie through their teeth. Uh, Corinne, Jean-Pierre, shouldn't, can't even stand in the shadow of Dana Perino. Yeah,
2: yeah what a amazing. contrast!
1: What, and by the way, oh, Kaylee McEnany God. too. Oh. I think about Kaylee was great too, yes. just like Dana. Uh,
4: oh, she was she was absolutely wonderful, spot on, and she could stand up to these people. This woman, Jean Pierre, just she you, you could see her collapsing. But you're right. If they keep repeating themselves, they seem to think that people are going to believe it. And the sad thing is they want power. And they know they've got this little ball of warm clay with Joe Biden. He'll do anything for that power. But you know what's and you always- know what's
1: scary, Alice? The media. You you hit I was oh. thinking as you were talking about Dana and especially I was thinking when I brought up Kaylee, because think about how merciless the media was, like if Donald Trump sneeze, it would be like you know uh, isn't he responsible uh you know for for the you know withdrawal of Kleenex today or something you know i mean he they were so over the top. And yet now we have catastrophic almost inflation. We have clearly um, enormous issues with crime, catastrophic levels almost of crime, too. And when we look at all of these things, the media is just kind of going, well, what do you think of the At least they're asking the question. But where's the follow up saying, Mr. President, actually, you're not correct. You know, I mean, where is I think you still need to be respectful to the office. But they showed no respect to Trump. And where is the media that no. should be doing their job, Alice?
4: Well, they were – everyone in Washington was afraid of Donald Trump. They were afraid of him because he he didn't fit the mold. He wasn't politically correct. And you know what? He you, When you're raising a child, you tell that child to accept people who are different. Well, Donald Trump was different, and these people didn't accept him. And everything he did worked. And you know what? Everything's – everything's. You know, we have crime in this area. Where it's a small town compared to New York. But I think our mayors come out of the same gene pool and neither one of them uh, like the police. It's a shame.
1: It is. And and you see what's happening there in Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, I see it here in New York. Uh, so many of our listeners around the country, uh, Seattle, Memphis, Philly, Atlanta, all over the place. Uh, you guys all see it uh, because it is just unbelievable. Um, there is not a single town. I think of Norfolk. I think of so many towns. Um, that are just being barraged by crime and many of them as you're talking about have uh, liberal politicians that are just trying to turn a blind eye and not doing anything or, or talking a good game but uh, no walking you know i mean it's outrageous alice thank you very much we're going to continue with your calls everybody after the break and also the great john solomon is going to be joining us because what are the democrats focused on they're not focused on crime or inflation They're focused on January 6th, and John Solomon has some blockbuster reporting on that and also the Durham probe that really reveals some politics in the FBI. That and a lot more after the break.
0: The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: More than 40 subpoenas have just gone out recently in the last week or so. All to Trump allies, including the my pillow guy. I mean, Mike Lindell, the poor guy selling pillows and now he's getting subpoenaed and his cell phone taken. And here's a little bit from attorney Harmeet Dillon talking about the reason behind why there has been a barrage of subpoenas. And the categories are alternate electors. Uh, fundraising around irregularities around the election and also a, a uh, rally that happened before the January 6th uh, situation at the Capitol. So the Save America rally that happened. And so basically, most of this pro- activity, if not all of it, is protected by the First Amendment. And the United States Department of Justice is telling reporters about the search warrants and subpoenas before they're executed. There's no other explanation for this. And I think the reason for this is to instill fear into Donald Trump supporters and into those who would challenge election irregularities right before an upcoming election. So this is really outrageous abuse by the DOJ. And it is illegal for the DOJ to leak this information to the media. It seems to be outrageous. Well, joining us now with an exclusive report about some of the security warnings prior to January 6th that have never come out and that if the Republicans are in control, will definitely be investigated if they get back the House and the Senate. And joining us now is the great investigative journalist, also founder of Just the News, John Solomon. John, great to have you here on the show.
5: Yeah, great to be with you, Rita.
1: You know, this is a blockbuster. You had a big scoop about some prior warnings about security because it's always been like, oh gosh, we had no idea that things could get out of hand. Nobody requested security. Um tell us what you uncovered.
5: Yeah, listen, it's the it's the issue that the Democrats on the January sixth committee will not allow to be investigated. What did we know? What didn't we know it? And why did a six hundred million dollar a year police department be unable to uh, thwart a group of rebel rousers from overtaking the capital, And the, what we've learned is that over, through thousands of pages of documents we've gotten from sources that the Capitol Police Department repeatedly uh, received warnings beginning on December 21st, 2020, so three weeks before the rally, that uh, there were people on the internet plotting, planning, and talking to overrun uh, the Capitol, to literally target the Capitol, to storm the Capitol, to harm lawmakers, to target the tunnels around the Capitol and gain penetration through that, those means, and to disrupt the counting or certification of the electors. All of those documents have now made public on Just the News. You can click through and read all of the real-time police intelligence reports. And so it reg- begs the question, if they had that much warning, why did they not have a security posture the morning of January 6th? And the answer is... While the intelligence was coming in and it was getting to the highest levels of the department, not the police chief, but below the police chief at the deputy chief level, uh, the rank-and-file officers were being told – and I actually post a couple of these documents – there's no known threats to occur on January 6. So most Capitol police officers went to work the morning of January 6, thinking it was going to be a normal day, while a rally outside. When in fact, its own intelligence division had extreme, extensive, continuous warnings coming in from the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, the U.S. Marshal Service, and the Metropolitan Police Department in the Washington D.C. area. So three days afterwards, one of their chief Uh, and most trusted intelligence analyst, a guy named Eric Hoare, wrote an email to the top brass in the department saying, you know what, we have to get real. We had significant warnings, and we didn't act on it. We didn't put an operational plan together. I'm still nauseous, he wrote, knowing that the colleagues I worked alongside have had to go through all that trauma on January 6th when we could have prevented it. And he lays out in very clear detail the fact that the department had known for weeks that there was a plan to storm the Capitol and didn't appropriately adjust its plan. And and he goes on to raise the question as to why. And he says, I fear that politics and optics trumped actionable intelligence, meaning people made political decisions uh, that had nothing to do with security, and it thwarted the proper security posture of uh, the department. And uh, across the board, when you talk to officers, I've interviewed many of them in the police department the last three months. Um, They all say to a T, January 6th was completely preventable as a security episode. We simply didn't put a plan together to address the threat we knew was emerging. All those documents are now in public, including the whistleblower's really famous uh, uh, email. It had never been public before, but you can read his email, what he told his bosses afterwards. This man now works for the Homeland Security Department, training police agencies like Capitol Police how not to make another intelligence failure like this, but... He witnessed it, he called it out, and the Democrats on the January 6th committee aren't willing to uh, to go down this path and try to answer this question for the American public, fortify the Capitol for future problems like this. And tonight, I interviewed Congressman Rodney Davis. He's a top Republican on the House Administration Committee, the committee that oversees Capitol. And he says that there are many more Eric cores, many more whistleblowers that have come forward in the last few months providing extensive detail to the intelligence failures, the planning failures, the security failures. And he, like uh, like Eric Horst said, there is overwhelming evidence that January 6th could have been prevented. Wow. Uh, We suspect there's going to be more of this coming out over the next few weeks.
1: Um, John, stay with us if you could. We're going to talk with you more after the break. And also another blockbuster that there was an FBI informant tied to Russia.
6: Uno. He's your numero uno.
0: The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue.
1: And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, where we honor our great law enforcement and also their families, a powerful tribute uh, just yesterday for Anthony Varvaro the Port Authority New York police officer who was sadly killed by a wrong-way driver on his way to the 9-11 commemoration in Manhattan. He was remembered as a family man and a role model at a Staten Island New York wake, which took place yesterday. Some 300 mourners waited online at the Matthew Funeral Home to pay their respects to Varvaro, who was a Major League Baseball pitcher before becoming a cop in his native borough. Family, friends, and also lots of his brothers in blue wept while looking at white poster uh, boards decorated with photos of the late officer playing baseball, posing with his many family and friends, and also enjoying times with them, especially at the beach. Varvaro, 37 years old, was remem- remembered as a tremendous officer. And also, he leaves behind his wife, Carrie, and four children, of course, our thoughts and prayers so much with his family and all the great members of the Port Authority Police Department who do such an amazing job keeping New Yorkers safe every single day. Well, we are talking, of course, about all the flurry of subpoenas and new details surrounding the January 6th committee. This comes as a big report also comes out from John Durham, at least a filing. The major report may be coming out in the next few months. But everybody first talking about all these subpoenas that are now coming to many people allied with President Trump. Dozens of them coming. And Doug Hay, who is a former RNC communications director says that he believes it's leading in one direction. Take a listen.
2: And what we see is the DOJ
5: is trying to get narrower and narrower as they kind of climb up the totem pole of the Trump administration, ultimately meaning who's that top person, Donald Trump. But to do so, to go narrower, they have to go wider, and they have to subpoena more people. They have to get more testimony from more people. That also means a lot more people are in legal jeopardy. And so that's a Brian Jack, a Dan Scavino, a Bill Stepien, Um, Stephen Miller, who's been brought up. Mark Meadows, certainly the former chief of staff. They're going to go wider and wider to get as much evidence as they can to go as high as they can and as narrow as they can to ultimately indicting either Donald Trump or one of his real top lieutenants and ultimately maybe a chief of staff.
1: Well, joining us now to talk about this and a lot of other big news, we continue with the great investigative journalist John Solomon of Just the News News. Here on the Rita Cosby Show, um, John, I have a million questions also to ask you about the Capitol Hill report which you just shared. Um, but first off, um, what do we know about these subpoenas too? The fact that there was this flurry of subpoenas and also the seizure of a whole bunch of cell phones. We're hearing that there's going to be another January 6 hearing, probably uh, what is it, September 28th. Wh- where do you see this going?
5: Well, listen, the, the January 6th committee has acted as a private investigator forwarding information to the Justice Department, and it is part of the Democrat strategy to find some way to disqualify Donald Trump from running for office. That's not my words. Those are the words of people like Jamie Raskin, uh, one of the members of the January 6th committee. Their goal, they said, was to find some form of criminality or wrongdoing by Donald Trump that would disqualify him under the Constitution or under law from running again for office. So they've been overt in what they say their intention is. What we're seeing right now is a large vacuuming process. More than three dozen subpoenas were go- issued since last week going to anyone and everyone who had something to do with the events around and leading up to January 6th. And these subpoenas seem to be focused on three areas, fundraising, One of the rally events that Donald Trump was a direct organizer and uh, participant in, and then alternate electors or uh, uh, the effort to get some states to send a different slate of electors than the ones that were going to support Joe Biden at the January 6th certification. And that's the three buckets that the subpoena seemed to ask. About there's a lot of different people and and lawyers and and other folks mentioned, but it's a it's a vacuuming exercise to see what they can find and see if they can create the form of criminal case that that some Democrats have been clamoring for against Donald Trump, and it is a remarkable sight to see an FBI turned by one president against the president's opposition party. But that's really what's happened here. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see if there were crimes committed and whether they, the FBI or the Justice Department can prove that.
1: Yeah, it is stunning to see this. The other thing I want to ask you is that what you just said about um, this witness, this whistleblower, uh, Eric Core. you were saying, who's you know credible guy. He's with Homeland Security. Why, why not even if, uh, you know, in the meantime, why not have them come out and do a press conference? Have, have like, you know, as Congressman Davis or other people talked about somehow getting them out there because clearly their name's out there.
5: Yeah, listen, the documents clearly are there. A lot of these uh, gentlemen still have jobs. They work for the Capitol Police under the direction of uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Some of these officers, including Eric Orr, faced significant retaliation for being bold enough to call out their bosses for the failures. So these whistleblowers are scared. They've been retributed against. But there is an effort by Republicans to put together a report, what they would call the alternative report to the January 6th committee, I think it will have some extraordinary information, not only more whistleblowers, as Rodney Davis confirmed tonight, but text messages showing, this is something that Rodney Davis said tonight to me, uh, text messages showing that uh, Nancy Pelosi and her team were very involved in the security decisions that led to the bad posture that day on January 6th. That's something the January 6th committee has not allowed to be explored. Republicans are planning in the next few weeks to release a detailed report, including with text messages, emails and whistleblower testimony. I I would expect that to come out by early October at the latest. That's what
1: I was going to ask you prior to the midterms, obviously, because that's a blockbuster. If they can show that Nancy Pelosi was so well aware and said, no, no need or keep this quiet or whatever the case is, um, or at least even just being alerted to it and clearly not doing anything, Uh, which we surmise was the case based on other reports that you've had. You've done some great work on this. That, to me, is a blockbuster, don't you think, John?
5: Yeah, listen, we know from the police documents that I got, the Capitol Police official timeline, that uh, when Chief uh, Sund, then the Chief of the Capitol Police, asked for... Uh, National Guard troops, which had been offered to him already. The the Pentagon had offered it. The Trump Pentagon had offered them on January 2nd. Originally, the police turned it down. Then they get cold feet, realize, hey, there may be some trouble here. They asked for permission to get the National Guard, which is something they had to do. Nancy Pelosi, Sergeant in Arm, came back and said the Democratic leadership did not like the optics. That's the word that's in the documents. They did not like the optics. Of having troops trying walking around the Capitol providing security, and that's why you see in Ericor's memo he says, "I can't believe we let optics and political decisions trump intelligence and security requirements." Uh, but that word "optics," you're going to hear that a lot when Republicans put out their report in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, boy, will that be a blockbuster if they can show that clearly uh, she was alerted to this. And obviously, they've ignored that. They, we haven't heard from any of the Capitol Hill, you know, leadership to remember a couple of them were fired or left. I mean, there's just there are so many questions. Before I let you go, John Solomon, I want to ask you also about um, this other big blockbuster with this. Yeah, this uh Igor Denchenko, right, who was on the payroll. This is this John Durham bombshell. Tell us about that.
5: It is. So we all know about Christopher Steele, how the, the Steele dossier turned out to be really bunk. It never turned out to be corroborated whatsoever. Uh, but the man who turned out to be the primary source for that was a Russia's bus- Russia businessman, a businessman named Igor danchenko that the FBI began to suspect as early as 2008 was actually working, as an agent of Russian intelligence here in the United States. Why did they think that? They developed evidence that he was offering to pay Obama administration officials to sell him classified information. He'd give them money. They'd give him classified secrets. He'd give it to the Russian government. So he's on their radar for nearly a decade as someone. They had a full counterintelligence investigation of him. And then all of a sudden the Trump allegations come through. Christopher Steele gets fired because he was leaking to the media as a confidential human source. And they go to this... Man, a man who they suspected is a Russian agent, and they hire him and they put him on the payroll and they do it after they catch him in new lies. When they start debriefing him and they realize that most of the stuff Christopher Steele wrote that was sourced in wasn't true, things like the sex tape in, in uh, Moscow with Donald Trump, all things that have been disproven now, he lies to them nonetheless. They said, have you ever been with Russian intelligence? And he says, no. And he said, well, we know you're lying. They said, oh, yeah, I guess I did meet with him. After lying, after having the security concerns, after all the failures of the Steele dossier, they put this man on the taxpayer's dole, and they pay him for three years as a confidential human source to pursue Donald Trump and the Russia collusion negations anew. A remarkable bombshell from uh, the uh, John Durham filing that came in Monday night. It is remarkable, and his trial, Igor Danchenko's trial, is going to be starting in a couple of weeks, early October in eastern Virginia, uh, uh, right here uh, by the Washington, D.C. suburbs, you're going to see the Christopher Steele dossier put on trial, and you're going to see the judgments of the FBI, the James Comey, Andy McCabe, FBI be put on trial as part of this Dan Chanko criminal case.
1: Yeah, no question. And the fact that it comes from Durham, who has been really measured, um, where do you think, when are we going to get this, like, final report from him, and do you think there will be any big surprises there or not?
5: Oh, I think there will be a lot more surprises. I think he has dug down into every aspect of the FBI's failures, and this is just one example something he had in his back pocket. He drops – a few weeks before the trial. I don't think we'll see many more indictments. The grand jury activity has really slowed to a halt after he lost the trial against Michael Sussman in the summer. And I think that Danchenko may be his last major criminal case unless something changes. And then uh, a major report, which has been drafted for the last year, many sections of it have been drafted over the last year. I think we get that before the end of the year, probably not before the election, but probably before the end of the year.
1: Wow. Well, that is really, really explosive. Um, that's amazing to hear. And we'll see where it goes, especially with the revealing of this now at a time where the politics of the FBI are really front row and center after the Trump raid, too. Um, thank you so much, John. Keep us posted. You always have such great, awesome reporting.
5: Thanks, reader. Pleasure to talk to you.
1: Thank you. You too, and everybody, check it out on justthenews.com. Make sure you check it out. Um, You can go to John Solomon's social media too. uh, Jay Solomon reports on Twitter, um, and it has a lot of this information up there. Do not miss it. He always has such great, great stuff. Uh, Let's go to Norm, Uh, line two. Norm, your thoughts? Uh, You know, we were just hearing some blockbells in Blockbuster there from uh, John, especially about the fact that now they have credible. Um, you know, security folks who say, God, we had all these warnings. And for some reason, Nancy Pelosi and her team basically didn't want to do anything about it. That's that is shameful, um, Norm.
7: I'm sure they knew about it. Um, All I can say is, you know, for the around half a million to a million people, of which when I went to Washington, D.C. on January 6th, that's right. N- That's right. You
1: were there. That's right. You were there. there and, I, was there and, and Norm, I have no regrets. And Norm, by, by know, the way, n- to, the point, to the point they arrest
7: me, I have no
1: regrets.
8: Uh, <laughs> have they arrested you <laughs> I'm yet sorry, or no? i going
7: to solitary confinement. I have no regrets. No. I uh, basically, it was a peaceful rally. Um, I had no confrontation with the police. There was around a million people between me and the Capitol. As most people's experience, I ate cookies on the lawn with a family from Tennessee and uh, in the shadow of the Washington Monument, um, yes, I'm not a dangerous uh, uh, revolutionary. I was just, uh, I was just there to be with Donald Trump and uh, to watch him on the screens, as like 99.9 percent of the people who showed up with me on Washington in Washington that day. Did. But, but Norm, um, but Norm,
1: but Norm, you know, if you hear all the comments from, um, you know, and you see it from the January 6th committee. They are so intent. And in the last, you know, week or so, they gave out close to 40 subpoenas and seized, you know, the cell phone of a number of people. I mean, it's, it's really quite staggering that they are clearly trying to ride this January 6th, um, anti Trump train. That seems to be like their, you know, philosophy leading into the midterms. You know, they're talking about green energy and Trump, like green energy and January 6th, like that. That's basically their campaign. Um, Why do you think that is and do you think that'll be effective, Norm? What are your thoughts on that?
7: Oh, to the Democrats, yeah, of course it's going to be effective. Look, here's the deal. Um, People like myself, conservatives or Republicans, we're going to vote Republican or conservative. To those who are the Democrats are going to go like lemmings and they're going to vote for Democrats no matter what. And basically the election is dependent upon people like yourself, Rita, who are independents. So, uh, you know, I, I, it could go either way, depending how, uh, you know, stupid, uh, most Americans are, and I think a lot of Americans are stupid. And you know, the you know, they didn't go to January 6th, and they been pre- they didn't go to Washington on January 6, and they were presented this was a dangerous insurrection. If it was a dangerous insurrection, they would have had firearms. I don't hear about any firearms. Um, and then, of course, you know, the Antifa influence and the uh, you know, and the uh, and I'm sure there were some crazy people there who put, were, were Trump supporters. I don't doubt that. Uh, I know. You know, I wasn't going to the Capitol. I didn't go near the Capitol. Most of you know, and and the fifty five people that and were and just on the bus, like
1: you said, and just like you said, right? most people did not. You know, you know what's no. interesting though, Norm is, I hear what you're saying, but mm-hmm. I also do believe, and this is a fact that a lot of people, mm-hmm. when they heard, and I bring up the Hunter Biden, just from a polling perspective. There were polls that came out right after the election that said, had we known about Hunter Biden and some of these unsavory things, because this Mm -hmm. guy wrote on Mr. Unity and what a great guy and Mm -hmm. let's bring Mm -hmm. Kumbaya and he's squeaky clean. They said they would have voted differently. And the reason I bring that up is. You think about even in the last, you know, few weeks and months, how many things have come out about Hunter. And also, mm-hmm. I think that speech that the president gave, I actually I you know, I have friends who are Democrats, um, mm-hmm. that are dying hard Democrats, and they were so mm-hmm. turned off by that speech. So what what might happen is either it'll drive them to another party or they'll just stay home, mm-hmm. you know?
9: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
7: Um, don't know. Just know that um yeah it's uh, uh the media uh you know the media wields a lot of power i hopefully the intranet and uh you know wabc and um a little bit of fox hopefully they the you know hopefully they will have an influence but when you go up against uh you know the as, rush limbaugh used to say the drive by in the media it's very difficult to go up against them i mean you know i mean they they present a united front and they have they have censored and they have lied and um because they're basically vassals of the democratic party
1: but they've been oh. exposed but norm they've been exposed for that too and so maybe that's the awakening uh one eight hundred eight uh let's go to jc in pennsylvania real quick jc your thoughts
2: Oh, i got lots of thoughts, Rita. But first of all, with this guy, Norm, most Americans are stupid. I think that's very disrespectful. I think most Americans are disillusioned, and they're brainwashed because of the media. Uh, when, you, when you see a sign in front of you today, tomorrow, on the radio, the TV, Running at it. Well, and also and
1: also, J.C., um and also, you know, the rhetoric coming from the Democrats saying that the Republicans are the threat to democracy. I mean, to your point, the Democrats have taken the gloves off. And I agree with you that Republicans have been way too docile. Um And uh, and in the meantime, the Biden administration is just kind of laughing all the way to the bank. Uh, one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. We'll continue with your calls, everybody. JC, I love your passion. We'll continue after
0: the A Rita Cosby Show.
1: And if you think that Democrats are going to give up comparing anything to January six, forget about it. Uh, this is insane. A Democratic congressman from Guam, Congressman Hank Johnson, during a House hearing, basically said that parents who protested at school boards across the country for a variety of reasons are similar to the rioters at the Capitol building on January 6th. I can't believe he actually said this. January 6th is an infamous day in American history, and people at the local Uh, at the local and at affected school board meetings, will never forget MAGA Republicans descending on their school board meetings after January 6th, just like January 6th disrupting meetings. It was a coordinated attack happening across our country. Americans won't forget about it. In other words, parents who were upset are basically like domestic terrorists, he's saying? Uh, I mean, these people are nuts. You can't have any dissent or you're a terror, terrorist and a rioter under their stream. I mean, this to me is outrageous. one eight hundred eight 848 let us go to Rebecca, line two. Rebecca, your thoughts.
3: Hi, I just had a question. I mean, I, I was kind of young when the whole Watergate-Nixon thing happened. But I remember, you know, years later, people were still talking it as about it as the most crazy thing that could ever have happened in this country. How could it happen? This is a, a, 10 times worse, 100 times worse than Watergate ever was. How is it not being... What, know, what is?
1: What are you What are you talking about?
3: What, what's happening where you have uh, a Democratic, uh, you know, I don't even know what to call it because it doesn't seem like government anymore, but you you have Biden and all of, of the things that are going on with his son and the collusion and the fake reports and, you know, Democrats who are trying to infiltrate and, and, and make the other party look bad. But, you know, it's, it's worse than whatever happened by Watergate when they just, you know, you know, listen to the conversations that were happening in a, in a hotel room.
1: That's an interesting point. We're going to talk about that after the break. Interesting point, Rebecca.
0: This is The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: Show word coming just a little bit ago that Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida sent two planes of illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard to the airport there in Massachusetts today. Uh, They landed just a little bit ago, uh, two plane loads full of migrants to the very, very liberal Martha's Vineyard. And he made good on a promise to send them there. And people are going, oh, gosh, I can't believe he sent them here. I can't believe that he did that. And this comes at the same time where we know that Lori Lightfoot, who, of course, Chicago being a sanctuary city, is all talk and no action. She's shipping them out to the suburbs, including to somewhere it's GOP led in the suburbs. You know, and now Eric Adams putting out a statement today in the last few hours Uh, complaining about the more than 11,000 people, predominantly from Central and South America, who have been coming to New York, many of them getting bused in, and putting out a statement saying, quote, in this new and unforeseen reality where we expect thousands more to arrive every week going forward, New York City's system is nearing its breaking point. As a result, the city's prior practices, which never contemplated the busing of thousands into New York City, Must be reassessed. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? You're complaining because 11,000 have come here to a city of millions in New York City. And meantime, many places, especially those right on the border, have hit a breaking point years ago, almost like months after Biden took office. And in fact, so far this year, they have had historic number of crossings at the border. Do you see Eric Adams, do you see Lori Lightfoot? Do you see the folks there in Martha's Vineyard complaining about that? Uh-uh. They're just complaining about what's happening in their own city. And some of the latest numbers so far, even this year, the historic numbers, over 2 million have crossed the border already. These are the ones we know about. This is not even the Godaways, and there's going to be hundreds of thousands of those. And in the meantime, by the way, Eric Adams has a solution for those that are coming here. Let's give them jobs. Let's pay them. As if that's not going to, like, have an impact. I mean, is there anything else we could do to try to lure more illegal immigrants into the United States? We're going to offer them now jobs. We're going to offer them health care. We're going to offer them free phones. And now New York City is talking about giving them work, paid work. Uh, by the way, I might not be opposed, and I want to hear your thoughts about this. I might not be opposed if he said everybody who comes here across the border illegally, of course, has to get vetted first, make sure there's nothing criminal, make sure they get tested, too, all these things, right? Go through all of that stuff, right? Then why don't at that point maybe give them, maybe they have to work for free for a year or two, and then they would go to the front of the line uh, for court proceedings to see if they could become residents, I actually think that's not a bad idea. Then you get free work. Then they show they're committed to the country. They've given something to the United States, as opposed to just walking through and getting paid, too. Is there anything else? Why do we, And then we're putting them up in luxury hotels. I mean, is there anything we're missing here? What about a $20,000 wardrobe budget for each one of them? I mean, this is just the definition of insanity. Lobster, champagne, escargot. I mean, should we be giving them champagne every night, too? Or are we missing anything else? Well, here is Eric Adams
10: talking about offering illegal migrants some jobs. I think it's imperative that we look at the uh, employment. Think about this for a moment. We're telling migrants and uh, asylum seekers, you can come to the country, but for six months you can't work. <laughs> what? <laughs> six months you can't work. So six months... You are having people just sit idly by, waiting. So who's supposed to pick up the tab for that? If the federal government is saying that for six months you can't work, then the federal government should be saying for six months we're going to compensate you because someone has to pay for for that. And it's also just not fair.
1: Six months, we're going to compensate you for crossing the border illegally. Does that make sense to anybody here? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. one 848 9222 And meantime, he's not criticizing the Biden administration. Oh, no, no, no. He is criticizing Governor Greg Abbott, basically saying,
10: why are you continuing to send migrants to New York City? What is taking place in Texas right now with uh, Governor Abbott is despicable. It is anti to everything we are as an American. I'm sure if he was to trace back his lineage, he'll see that he came from somewhere. And I think that it's imperative during crisis, you coordinate. He did not pick up the phone. He did not coordinate. Every, every city that passed by arriving to New York, he should have communicated with. And we should have worked out a coordination. And we have to share this issue of what's happening on our border. And we have an obligation to be responsible, because that's who we are as an as American. But we have to do it in a responsible way.
1: And now this comes as El Paso, which is right there, you know, right there in that border sector, is looking basically like a third world country. And you should hear what people who are seeing the images in El Paso are saying. The latest images out of El Paso, I was just looking at some today, some video that was taken in the last 24 hours. It is stunning you see people basically dumped under an El Paso bridge. It reminds me, remember when all the Haitians were there under the Del Rio Bridge and they were setting up like shanty towns and they were just sort of like lining up over there? Those are some of the new images that we're seeing now coming out of El Paso, Texas, um, which you never used to sort of see. It's just because there are so many of them. And the head of customs and border patrol for Joe Biden actually came out and said that They just can't process. There are so many of them coming through El Paso these days. It's basically a third world country, he said. And Eric Adams is complaining about 11,000 in New York City. And he also says that things are so bad that they just can't process them. They can't keep up with them. There are just so many thousands upon thousands just in that one area alone. And there's many of them, as we know, across the border. Uh, This is just one place of many. But it's so bad that they're literally not processing them. And he's saying we just have to dump them on the streets. We're just dumping them near bus stations. We are dumping them near shelters. We're just putting them anywhere we can put them because we have no choice. We just physically can't put them anywhere else. And take a listen. This is the way Matt Whitaker, uh, the former Trump attorney general, describes El Paso.
7: We're beyond a breaking point. We have more people came into the El Paso sector. Over 200,000 came in through that sector alone. In July, and that was more than the entire year of 2021. So it is exponentially becoming a bigger problem. And to the bill's reporting, you know, it is just, you know, right now, Texas and the cities in Texas are bearing that burden. But I think it is definitely time that blue cities start paying a bigger price for these blue policies because right now the, it is unsustainable and we are reaching a point where not only is it broken, but I don't think long-term that, that we can sustain our sovereignty as a country, And I'm really very, very concerned.
1: Wow. And yet Eric Adams thinks we should give them work, give them hotels, health care, cell phones, you name it. And that, boy, it's been overwhelming to have 11,000 in a major city of millions. Can you imagine what it's like living in places like El Paso, Adel Rio? I mean, you look at all of these. And meantime, Our vice president, Kamala Harris, I cannot believe that she actually said this with a straight face. She was asked by NBC, listen, don't you want to talk about the border? Because you're supposed to be the borders are. You're not talking about it. Biden doesn't go there. And isn't the border wide open? You can see it. Just go into Del Rio. Go into El Paso. Spend five minutes there. Anybody could figure it out. But not our vice president. Take a listen to the hogwash she is trying to sell us.
0: Would you call the border secure?
11: I think that there is no question that we have to do what the president and I asked Congress to do. is The first request we made, pass a bill to create a pathway to citizenship. The border is secure, but we also have a broken immigration system, in particular over the last four years before we came in, And it needs to be fixed. We're
0: going to have 2 million people cross this border for the first time ever. You're confident
11: this border is secure? We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. But there are still a lot of problems that we are trying to fix. Oh, yeah,
1: it's secure. Is there anybody out there? who actually believes our border is secure. I don't even think Kamala Harris believes it. She's just trying to sell us a bunch of hogwash. And for some reason, they do not want to focus on the border. They don't want to focus on crime. They don't want to focus on inflation. But there is one thing they do want to focus. Forget crime. Forget about how much it's costing you when you go to the grocery store. Don't worry about all that. Don't worry about all the different people that are on the terrorist watch list that are coming through our border. No, 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 no. All you have to say over and over again, a 100 times every day, is January 6th. And that's why they continue to focus everything January 6th. And they are praying that the January 6th committee comes up with something prior to. And I don't think it's a coincidence. You got the rage. You got this. They got another hearing coming up at the end of the month. And this is how Barbara McQuaid, a legal expert on MSNBC, summed up all the new flurry of subpoenas to the January 6th folks. So You see that the circles are closing in on the highest levels of government here,
3: close aides to the former president. And as I read these subpoenas, it seems to me that we are seeing uh, kind of the the fake electors scheme meeting the seditious conspirators scheme. And so what they're really looking for is, I think, a a commonality at the top to connect these two threads together. Uh, And if you can make that connection, then you
8: could put Donald Trump right at the center of a conspiracy.
1: Yeah, let's not worry about the border. Let's not worry about skyrocketing crime. Let's not worry about inflation. Let's talk all about January 6th and however we can get Donald Trump. That is clearly their strategy, and they're hoping that the American voters will buy that hogwash. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Don, line one. Don, your thoughts.
12: All right. Uh... I see a corrupt Department of Justice aligned with a corrupt Democratic Party trying to take down the country instead of what Kamala Harris or whoever it was just uh, noted.
2: So you see what? January you see,
12: You 6. see
1: what do you see, Don? How do you explain this again? You explain what?
12: I see a corrupt Department of Justice, the DOJ and the FBI, along with a corrupt Democratic administration trying to take down Donald Trump and the country.
1: Yeah, by the way, I agree with you that there are definitely some, at least some bad apples within. I won't say all of DOJ or all of FBI, but well, there are definitely some them that them have them. political interest. Mm. What do you think? I mean, do you think they're going to be successful, Don?
12: No, I think Donald Trump would already be in jail if he had done anything close to illegal.
1: Yeah, the, but but they're, they're trying to get, trying get him, him for anything, Don.
12: Fabricated.
1: Don, they're trying to get him for jaywalking, you know? I mean, it's That's like. Right. <laughs> if he had done anything
12: wrong already, he'd be in jail.
1: Right, but they're trying to find anything. And, and Don, the reality exactly. is you bring it into, like, say, like a, uh, you know, a D.C. court. And D.C. court is like it's like 93 percent Democrat, basically, in Washington, D.C., And all you have to do is say, you don't even get to the last name. You go, Donald Guilty. You know? No, don't you want to see evidence? Oh no, guilty. I mean, it is, it is so predominantly Democrat. And you can indict a, you know, the famous phrase of indict a ham sandwich. You can indict half a piece of ham there. It doesn't, you don't even need the whole sandwich. You know? I mean, those people just hate Donald Trump. They're looking for anything and they're going to try anything. Um, so I don't count it out. I'm not saying it's the right result. I, I hear you, and I agree with you that they're doing a lot of fishing right now. Uh, but it doesn't mean with a little bit of, a little minnow they may not get a whale. Um, let's go to Tim on line two. Tim, your thoughts.
13: Hi, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. With John Solomon's uh, revelations about um, the whistleblower, also possible text messages, where at the top, Pelosi declined security for the capital riot and the deaths that occurred, I think that there could be some negligence um, or uh, not a legal mind, but some type of um, criminality involved, or perhaps a little bit less of um, negligence involved in, in this, 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 uh, this riot that occurred, um, which was preventable. Um, and I don't, I, I I'd like you to, I mean, I'd like you to comment on that. Um, I find that really scary.
1: Yeah, no, Um, that's a great point, Tim, because also, Tim, what, you know, John was saying that I thought was so explosive, and obviously you feel the same way, when he said that, yes, there's supposed to be text messages like sent to Pelosi, there are credible whistleblowers. This one guy was sort of head of intel there at Capitol Hill Police, And uh senior guy, now he's at the Homeland Security Department, so he's clearly a credible guy. He's gone down on record, and he also sent a memo three days after January 6th saying, I can't believe that this happened. There were so many warning signs. We know of these reports. How can we live with this kind of thing? And he says that there are others out there like that. Um, so I think you bring up a great point. I think first off, they got to get them out there. They should be doing a press conference and it sounds like they're planning to do something or some sort of report, um, in October cause it should be sooner than later. And you're right. There could be some sort of allegation of malfeasance or recklessness or negligence, as you said, depending what they knew when they knew it. Um, who knows? Maybe there's a memo that says what a lot of us are thinking. Uh, no, uh, we don't want to make sure. We want things to be unruly or we want, you know, who knows what's in there. We don't know yet what it says in the text messages, but they could be really damning. Um, so that is a great, great point. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show.
0: The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: About Biden being in la-la land and Kamala Harris saying, oh, the border is secure. Um, And this comes as they don't want to focus on the border. They don't want to focus on inflation. They don't want to focus on crime. All they want to focus on is January 6th and orange man bad. That's basically all they want to talk about. Let's go to Stan. Line one, Stan, your thoughts about all this.
9: Well, I thought the president's announcement, uh, will, uh, related to electric cars and, uh, those situations. is going to be great. New, a lot of new jobs, Rita. Jobs, 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 Rita.
0: All right. stand, stand,
1: stand, stand, stand. I'm going to throw it right back Rita, at Rita, you. Rita, Rita, Rita. See, I'm going to give it right back to you, my friend. A three-peat, right? So here's the deal. He is planning on spending. He announced today. In the middle of a horrible economy, $900 million for electric cars. Do you realize that when they tried to do it in California, which is like the model of America, that they didn't want to have them plug in because it would overheat the grid, basically? I mean, they can't figure it out. And yet this is the same president who killed 11,000 jobs on day one, Stan. You know, I mean, it would be nice if he saved jobs as opposed to killing jobs, especially on his first day of his presidency. I have never seen a president who bragged about killing 11,000 jobs on his first day in office, Stan. But this one, your president did it. Go ahead, Stan
9: president, too, dear. Remember that. <laughs> he is,
1: but you love him more than I do. I, 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 I think he's I never, clueless. I don't have an
9: emotional thing for any president. I like their policies. and so Oh, by the way, Rita, sweet Rita, uh, you haven't mentioned this tonight that wonderful, great human being, Lindsey Graham, and his little comment today that is as ignorant as stupid as most of the Republicans. That little remark on abortion and what he wants to do, I didn't see you talk about that tonight, well, of because course.
1: I'm not talking about abortion, I have enough I to talk that. about with I the border, that, Stan. I know, but but I will say, Stan, I don't think that that was a good political move. <laughs> I will give you, <laughs> you that don't. one. I'll give you that one <laughs> for wasn't
4: him. was my view. Uh, <laughs> was my view. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but I will but give you. No, uh, and, and, and
1: by the way, he's had a couple of late. Because remember, didn't he say the other day too? He made some other comment about if Trump, uh, they go after Trump, there's going to be riots. So he's two for two. And I like Lindsey, but he's he has had a little bit of open, you know, mouth uh, put in foot disease. You know, go ahead, Stan.
9: Fall too far from the tree. Not apples, plums. This guy's a plum. But uh, as far as I can see, the automotive companies are going full tilt in the future for uh, electric cars, all of them, to a large extent. So if they didn't want to do it, they wouldn't. They see the Stan,
1: they have no choice. This president has basically said, these are the restrictions that I'm putting on you. This president is clueless, Stan. He is spending money. He's telling people to go get a $63,000 car right now at a time where people can't even afford a $63 dinner. Don't you think he's clueless, Stan? Come on.
12: They can't afford the cars they got. They can't afford to get Sooner or later, they're going to have to get off gas.
9: Oh, so, yeah, so let's them.
1: not feel sorry for them. Too bad. Why don't we do this? Why don't they sell their kids, and then they'll get an electric car? You know, Stan? I mean, that's the kind of mentality of this president. The guy is clueless. Go ahead, Stan.
12: They want to sell their kids, sell their cars. I think that may be the long-term solution anyway.
1: Stan, all right. Love hearing from you. We're going to continue with your calls. Everybody, after the break, 1-800-848-9222.
9: This
0: is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes.
1: And in tonight's support, our hero segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great military and, of course, their families. A really beautiful story coming from Olathe, Kansas, where Richard Youngins, a World War II veteran, was presented with the French Legion of Honor for his participation in liberating France during the war. The French Legion of Honor is the highest award of distinction in France, and it was presented to the 98-year-old this week by the French ambassador to the United States. Uh, here's some of the background of Sergeant Richard Youngins from 1944, July, until April 1945, uh, he served as a staff sergeant for the Army Air Force in World War II, flew 25 bombing missions on the B-17 and the B-24. He served in eight campaigns, that's amazing, over Europe, uh Normandy, uh, northern France, um, and many, many other locations. And the French ambassador said to him, you are a true hero. Thanks to you, my country has been living in peace. Youngins responded, I was lucky. Well, we were lucky uh, to have great heroes like him fighting for our freedom. And now, 80 years later, nearly, France is thanking those Americans that fought so hard to liberate them. The French people, the ambassador said, will never, ever forget what we owe you. And what a beautiful story. And, you know, I, I've said this before, but I always think about this. When I was over in Normandy, I think about meeting some of the French people, and I was with one of the veterans, one of the D-Day veterans, and when a French woman found out that this D-Day veteran was one of the guys who stormed the beaches and fought for freedom, she started crying and literally kissing his feet. And to me, I just had tears in my eyes. I get emotional now just even still thinking about it, um, you know, now just a few years later because it was one of the most beautiful sights that I've ever seen. They were so grateful for our service and what we've done for this country. It was so, so moving and so beautiful. And by the way, everybody, um, in the vein of supporting our heroes, uh, I want to let you know that I am proudly supporting the Tunnels to Towers 5K Walk Run, New York City again this year, and it's on Sunday, September 25th, and I would love for all of you to help out. Uh, help us to remember those lost on nine eleven as we just passed the 21st anniversary. And as we retrace FDNY Firefighter Stephen Siller's final footsteps, and we're going to do it together. And it's very simple to support my team this year in the Tunnels to Towers 5K Walk Run. This is such a great organization, and all of the proceeds go to Tunnels to Towers Foundation, which helps uh, injured service members, also Gold Star families, first responders. um, And it is just so, so important. The work they do is extraordinary. Here's what you do. Go to walk.ritacosbyonline.com, walk.ritacosbyonline.com, and donate to my team. I am trying to raise the most money here on the Red Apple Audio Network so everybody can go home and cry, and I can say, no, we raised the most money for this great, great mission. So, everybody, thank you so much for your support, uh, because together we can support and honor our great heroes and their families. It's one of the biggest walk-runs in the country and anything you can do to help to do your part to support these great heroes and the Tunnels to Towers Foundation, please do it. Go to com. Well, of course, some members of the National Guard have been going to the border. We've been seeing the military there. And a number of other groups and countries and other places are saying, hey, maybe we can help out. So far, the United States is saying, no, we got it under control. No problem. And in fact, that goes all the way from the top down. Take a listen. Kamala Harris again the other day. I couldn't believe this. Uh, this is like liar, liar, pants on fire. She was asked, what about the border? Isn't it wide open? Aren't there huge issues there? Oh no, what are you talking about? It's
11: secure. Listen to this one.
0: Would you call the border secure?
11: I think that there is no question that we have to do what the President and I asked Congress to do is the first request we made, pass a bill to create a pathway to citizenship. The border is secure, but we also have a broken immigration system, in particular over the last four years before we came in, and it needs to be fixed.
0: We're going to have two million people cross this border for the first time ever. You're confident this border is secure?
11: We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. But there are still a lot of problems that we are trying to fix.
1: We have a secure border. I mean, I don't know what kind of drug she's on, but she clearly is not looking at the same border that the rest of us are. And the fact that they continue to send that message out, uh, it just to me is astounding and it's shameful because it is downright dangerous. We know that even in the last few weeks, 66 people who are on the terrorist watch list crossed the border. That's just the ones we know about. It takes one bad one to create hell on earth in America. So you think about how much of a danger. This is such a serious issue. And some of the images that we're seeing now where we just heard from El Paso where the Customs and Border Patrol, just literally putting them like under a police station near a bridge. Uh, near a bus station, anywhere that they can because they just said they can't process them. So they're basically letting them out, they said, on the streets. That's what their solution is. Um, and things are so obviously bad and so dangerous at the border that even Democratic Senator Joe Manchin had to call out Kamala Harris. Listen to this exchange where he basically said she is lying.
10: Vice President Harris said this weekend the southern border is, quote,
13: secure. It's wrong. She's dead wrong on that. And I have said this. If we don't secure it, I voted every time for the wall. But we need the wall a lot more technology, more agents. The 2013 immigration bill was still the best piece of legislation, I think, that we've ever had before us. We couldn't get it passed uh, through the Republican House at that time because of some politics involved there, and they, the amnesty people were, you know, shouting the world amnesty. That piece of legislation would have corrected everything we have going wrong. But for anybody, the vice president, president, anybody say that our borders are secured, that is not accurate. I've been there. It's wrong.
1: That is a Democratic senator who said that is not accurate. It is wrong. I mean, anybody with two eyes can see it. And yet, I couldn't believe this. At the White House press briefing yesterday, Corinne Jean-Pierre who I think is one of the most fumbly, bumbly White House press secretaries we've seen. I thought circle back Saki, even though I didn't agree with her, she was really good at circling back. She can like she knew how to do words and handle the questions. This one is like uh 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 uh. And now she wants us to believe that the border is much more secure under Biden than it was under President Trump. Listen to this exchange.
3: We had to to fix something that was broken, especially by the the last administration, the Trump administration, which largely just tried to build a wall, an ineffective wall uh, along the border and couldn't even finish that in four years. Uh, we're certainly uh, doing a lot more to secure the border and could be doing even more if Republicans would stop their obstruction. Right.
1: That they could have done more. If the Republicans wouldn't block their way and they've done so much more than President Trump did in terms of border security. Is there anybody out there with, you know, you know, at least a one or above IQ that can figure this out? Because to me, this is unbelievable that they would actually say that and they continue to say, oh, it's no problem. And the fact that the media continues to give them a free pass is outrageous. Well, this is what Judge Jeanine Pirro on Fox News had to
8: say a few hours ago about Corinne Jean-Pierre. For Karin Jean-Pierre to say, you know, Trump built an ineffective wall and we're doing a lot more to secure the border, that is an out-and-out lie. We have never had the number of people that are coming through the border as they're coming through right now. And she also said it is
1: downright dangerous. Here's a little bit more, Judge Jeanine
8: Every time we get into a situation where we allow people to come in legally, we find out who they are. These people, we don't know who they are. They don't have to be masked. They don't have to be tested. And we don't know who among them is a criminal. They're not all. Certainly. Who's a pedophile? Who's a who's a thief? Who's a this? Anytime you have two million people, there are criminals in there and nobody is protecting us. And the sanctuary cities are saying you can all come, but I'm going to send you. uh, Lori Lightfoot's going to send him to uh, a Republican area and redistrict, which is now the latest. Yeah,
1: the latest is Lori Lightfoot, mayor there of Chicago, who was sanctuary city is saying, you know what, we're going to send you to some of the suburbs. So she's sending them to some of these areas that are now Republican mayors right outside that are not sanctuary cities. Talk about the hypocrisy of it all. And yet they are getting like a drop of what El Paso and all these other places are getting every single day. It is disgusting. one 800 To me, that is one of the biggest issues. And I think, you know, in terms of, What's happening in the country right now, the issues that are happening at the border, the fact that this president has left us so vulnerable, the double hypocrisy. I mean, when you think about the fact that they weren't vetting them for their criminal records, they weren't checking them to see if they had COVID. At the same time, they were masking up kids and masking up everybody else in America. But if you were an an illegal immigrant, it was like, come on in and not checking whether they had a criminal history in their own country. I mean, there are the repercussions of what have happened just even since he has taken office, even just this one year alone, two million, this one year alone that we know of. And they believe at least several hundred thousand more, potentially maybe as many as three million in the last year. Think about the repercussions. We will feel this, I think, for decades to come. And this president does not look like he is changing his policies whatsoever. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222, one 800 let us go to Jimmy, uh, line 5. Jimmy, your thoughts?
13: Yes, uh, The 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 communists think and act differently than we do. When they say they have the border under control, they're telling you the truth. They have it under control. They're in charge, and it's happening according to their plan. It's almost like a Freudian slip. You know what I mean? They're being honest. This is what they want. The stated goal of Francis Fox Pivens was we're going to get the changes we want largely through minorities and immigration. Now, who's Francis Fox Pivens? She's the one who put out that thesis that everybody's following about overwhelming the system. They're overwhelming every system here. But but, but, like also, but also,
1: Jimmy. Jimmy, the reality is – this president um, has really gotten a free pass from the media, too. I mean, right. that's the other thing, Even too. He's a
13: conservative media reader. I agree. A free p-
1: I agree that, that a they should be hammering him every day because the most important issue with a president is to keep our country safe. That is the first thing that they need to do. And how can you say he's keeping us safe with an open border like that?
13: One more thing, Rita. Uh, as far as him getting a free pass from even the conser- all the big name conservatives, how could they miss the fact that Biden was on the other side during the Cold War? He voted against aid for the freedom fighters in Nicaragua. Senator Schumer, who's attacking Maga, voted uh, against the law that made it illegal to reveal the names of CIA agents after agents were killed from a CIA defector giving the names up, and the communists killed them. These people have a long history of subversive activity. This is why they claim Trump was colluding with Russia. They have to read the book by Dan O'West, The Red Thread. That whole Russian collusion hoax, before John Solomon came along with this revelation, there's been a whole communist thing behind this. And, and the it's other thing is, too, from within. And, the Jim,
1: stat- and Jim, to your point, um, just to hit on John Solomon, because you brought him up, who we had at the beginning of the show, I think that is a blockbuster, that it turns out that the FBI was hiring somebody who was sort of a known Russian agent was on their payroll and knowing that the Steele dossier wasn't, you know, corroborated. No one's corroborated it to this day, uh, the whole phony dossier, and that this other guy, this Igor Donchenko, apparently was on the FBI payroll. That's a fact. That's coming now from the uh, Durham report. I mean, this is really, it's really getting like, it, it is like, you know, like Tom Clancy times 10. Um, really wild stuff, Jimmy. Thank you. You always have some really interesting perspective. Thank you so much. Let's go to Alex, uh, line seven. Alex, your thoughts.
9: Hey, thanks for taking the call, Rita. So, number one, uh, you actually mentioned that the one number one thing that a president should be doing is he has to take care of securing the country, and the number one thing that a president shouldn't be doing is causing inflation by spending the amount of money that Joe Biden is doing. And so, he managed to do the two most important things that shouldn't be done or the number one most important thing that should be done he didn't do. And so you had Kamala Harris who says that the border is secure when two million when she just told right before that that two million people crossed the border this year, which is, you know, a record the setting, you know, but so so I think that she should go according to her standard of what secured means, and she should have her gate open, uh, the fence of the the residence, the place where she lives, and you know the, the people that are in charge of her security should let everybody go into her vice presidential home. And then when she asks them what's going on, they'll say, oh, "Well, you told us to secure this this you know this place, and it's secured." Right. That's, Actually, that's, that's a, Alex.
1: That's a really creative idea. Mm-hmm. It's like you know le- you know this is what she says security is. So yeah, why don't like have them overrun, leave trash, make sure that she doesn't check who's staying in the house, (laughs) no, no health checks, no criminal background, and they'll trash the place and then they'll ask for the free health care and the free phone on the way out. You know, it's like that, that is a perfect, perfect example, uh, which is really powerful. Uh, let's go to Sherilyn, who's in Ontario. Sherilyn, your thoughts.
6: Yeah, Rita. Um, what I was thinking from this very beginning when, You've all been talking about the borders just being open and just everybody coming across and they can't watch them all. What if you got some people coming across at that time or any time um, that you just went over and shot that one guy over there that was involved in the 9-11? What if retaliation guys are coming across to come back at United States?
1: Oh, yeah. And, and Sherilyn, think about also, just as you're talking about, um, you know, Al-Qaeda um, the Iranians, remember, are upset that we got rid of their their head like, uh, you know, terrorist mastermind, if you will, Soleimani, who is in charge of the Revolutionary Guard. We also, let's not forget Russia. Russia's angry at America right now, too, with everything that we've taken aside with Ukraine. I mean, there's a lot of people out there. China, um, China's making tons of money bringing fentanyl across the border. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of uh, characters right now uh, that would love to see U.S. vulnerable. And and it's it is such a dangerous, scary time to your point, um, you know, of what we're doing. Um, that we have it open. I think any time, but especially now. Um really powerful point. Sherilyn, thank you. Let's go to Valeria in Florida. Uh Valeria, your thoughts. Um and I understand you want to comment, right, about uh DeSantis, right, who sent two planes of migrants to Martha's Vineyard today. Hi, Rita. I wasn't
6: gonna call you, but you mentioned it, so I had to call because I wanted to give time for other people. Thank you for taking my call. I used to live in Martha's Vineyard part-time. My dad built the first bike path there. He built the first Sears Roebuck there. So I remember beautiful Martha's Vineyard from the late 1960s through the 70s. And of course, I remember Chappaquiddick. And so I'm very proud of Governor DeSantis for doing that because Obama is Joe Biden's boss. We all know that. He's got the $12 million estate on Great Pond in Edgar Town, which is a secluded estate. Okay. He's got a lot of his millionaire and billionaire club members out there, and they should open up their big estates. They should reach into their, open up their big estates, open up those homes for all those people that came there today and the two plane loads, and then reach into their pockets, pull out cash, start buying houses for them, and then tell Joe and Jill and Kamala and all the rest of them that think it's okay for God knows who these people are to come in our country, cut the line. We don't know who they are, what their background is. They should start pulling money out of their pocket as well and opening up all their mansions.
1: You know what? That's an interesting point. And by the way, I've, I've been to Martha's Vineyard, um, and you're right. It's sort of the haven for, you know, it's the haven for you. The, you know, a lot of the Kennedy people hang out there and you mentioned Obama and all of those, which is why I think it's really funny. And, and it's pretty desolate too. So, um, it's, you know, they don't really, they're all going to run into them somewhere in Martha's Vineyard. I think you should keep sending more of them, um, to make the point. Um, and it's amazing your history too with your family there, Valeria. Um, but it is, it's, it's just, it's outrageous. That this White House just continues to deny it. Um, and and they think and I think, you know, I blame I blame a lot of members of the press. Um, you know, I've been in the press room um, in the White House where, like, you know, you're asking questions and you're grilling the, you know, the president and asking a series of those questions. And I'm barely seeing even a lot of members in the conservative press. They're asking some questions, but there should be a grilling. And they should also be demanding, where is the president? Because he is ducking and weaving. He's barely even answering the press. He barely makes himself accessible. So that's part of it. They barely get a chance to see him. But the fact that he has left us so vulnerable, and I say, I think it's great. I say it's bravo that, you know, Ron DeSantis and Governor Abbott and all these others are sending him. Um, The other incentive too, Valeria is not only, you know, some of the things you mentioned, but also in New York, you know, Eric Adams is talking about giving them jobs earlier. You know, it's like, is there anything else we could do to make it more appealing? What about giving? I'd love to give like a homeless veterans a job. I mean, I think they deserve it well before that valeria thank you very much for your call it's 1-800-848-9222 and we'll continue talking about this everybody after the break
0: this is the rita cosby show on the red apple podcast network
1: and kamala harris says the border is secure i want to know what she's drinking Um, By the way, in Eagle Pass, Texas, residents are buying weapons to defend themselves because migrants are being blamed for killing pets, stealing from shops, knocking on doors late at night, breaking into homes. The migrant encounters just in that one sector there have doubled to over 376,000 migrant encounters in just the Del Rio area there of Eagle Pass, Texas. And Eric Adams is complaining about eleven thousand in the big city of New York City. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Pete. Uh, Pete, line five. Your thoughts about all of this? It's insanity, Pete. It's and and the fact that they are not addressing the issue is stunning to me. That they just it's like as if it's not even happening. It, it's it's shocking to me, and it's such an insult to all those people living on the border.
12: Rita, i was I met with an immigration lawyer, and he told me that anyone who's seeking asylum has to stop in the first country that they go through, which would be Mexico they're not to go to a country or to America they're supposed to stay and get asylum in Mexico. now, did you ever hear anything about that? This is an immigration lawyer who supposedly knows what he's
1: talking yes, about. yes I have, but what's, but, but what's happening, Pete, is that mexico's saying. Go through to America. They want them in America. They don't want them in Mexico. So, and we're not turning them away, Pete. I mean, that's the thing. A lot of them are coming, are from Mexico, but you're right. A lot of them are coming from, you know, Central and South America, and it's a stopover or many other countries, by the way. But, but it is so wide open, Pete. And it is our policies in particular that's creating this issue. And we're just one big old neon sign saying, please come in. We won't check you for criminal history. We won't vet you. Come to America. Get whatever you want. This is insane.
13: The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.